Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Ultimate NFL Season Preview, presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Our Locked On local experts are here to help you get ready for the NFL season by going division by division, covering every team, their rivals, and the best players. But first, our Odyssey insiders Ross Tucker and Jason Lockenfor are here to share their thoughts on each division. Today, the NFC South. To kick things off, let's go to our Odyssey insider, the Princeton pigskin professor himself, Ross Tucker, for his thoughts on the division. It is Ross Tucker here from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, breaking down the NFC South. And let's be honest, I mean, there's only one team I think has any chance to win this division, and it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are head and shoulders above the other teams. There's serious question marks everywhere else in the division. Now, I know recently in the preseason, Jameis Winston looked good for the New Orleans Saints. He'll be their quarterback. They have a nice young receiver in Marquez Callaway, who's going to be able to hold down the fort until Michael Thomas gets back and I think make a bunch of plays. But the Saints just aren't as deep as they have been. They're not as deep at receiver. They're not as deep at tight end. They're not as deep even at running back. And without Drew Brees, you still have to wonder, as good as Jameis Winston's looked in the preseason, how up and down he will be. As for the Atlanta Falcons, new coaching staff, still have issues on defense, still have issues along the offensive line they have to solve. Carolina, I was very surprised with some of the moves they made in free agency along the offensive line. I do like the young defense that they're building there, but the jury is still way out as it relates to Sam Darnold. There's just no way around it. Sam Darnold is a guy that has to prove it to me, and with that offensive line – I'm not sure he's really going to be able to get that job done. All right, everybody, welcome. It is the NFC South edition of our Locked On Ultimate Season Preview here with the Locked On Podcast Network and, of course, our good friends over at odyssey as well my name is ross jackson host of locked on saints you can find me on twitter at ross jackson nola uh representing locked on bucks i am james yarko at jayarko underscore bucks on twitter 
And here for Locked On Panthers, I'm Julian Council. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. Aaron Freeman here, the illustrious host of Locked On Falcons. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Falcfans. Y'all, we are here to talk about the NFC South. We're going to run this through, talk about a couple of different elements for each one of our teams that we cover here for the Lockdown Podcast Network within the NFC South. We'll start with the Saints. We'll go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll go to the Carolina Panthers and then wrap up with the Atlanta Falcons going in order of finish from the 2020 season. But you also get our 2021 predicted order of finish as well coming into the division. And then we'll also get to talk a little bit about, hey, here's what's changed with each of these groups, as well as uh, some players that we would steal from one another and each of our uh, viewpoints on the other teams. So we'll start off with the New Orleans Saints who finish up the fourth season in a row at the top of the NFC South, trying to make it a uh, much harder fifth season in a row, of course, in a division where they accompany the Super Bowl champion. Tampa Bay Buccaneers had to make sure I acknowledge that for you, James, so that you don't have to do it by yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I still will. <laughs> uh, so some big changes for the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, Drew Brees, the Hall of Fame quarterback of 15 years, has well, 15 years in New Orleans, has retired. He is no longer the quarterback. Not sure if you guys heard about that. Uh, it was kind of big news. And now, of course, there is a big-time quarterback battle with former number one overall selection from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jameis Winston, who last year when we did these division previews, I swore up and down, would never be a New Orleans Saint. James, you remember that? Uh, I don't, but I, I, you brought it up because <laughs> I a thousand percent thought he would be entirely antithetical to anything Sean Payton, yet here we are. Uh, and of course, we are recording this before a starting quarterback has been named between Jameis Winston and the person that he's taking on, Taysom Hill, the undrafted free agent. A lot of folks consider him a special team or gadget player who's getting an opportunity here to play quarterback, uh, potentially for the New Orleans Saints. So that would be a big question mark. The Saints, of course, losing several starters and depth pieces on the defensive side, mostly due to uh, salary cap constraints. They were $100 million over the salary cap before they had to be compliant with said cap. So they lost players like Janoris Jenkins, Sheldon Rankins, Trey Hendrickson, as well as some depth players on both the second and second level and secondary, of course, as well. So a lot of question marks with some young players coming in, some key draft picks that could potentially move into those spots. And of course, Michael Thomas is going to be missing for the opening portion of the season. He had a late surgery on his ankle that the uh, franchise very clearly would have liked to have happened earlier, but it did not. And then, of course, you also have uh, David Onyemata serving a six-game suspension and potential suspension staring down the barrel for guys like Deontay Harris and uh, Marshawn Lattimore as well. So, you know, just a little bit of an eventful offseason for the New Orleans Saints. So my question for you guys and Aaron, we'll start with you. Uh, what is your outlook on the New Orleans Saints as a division opponent? Well, you know, the consistency of Sean Payton over the years has been, you know, pretty impressive. But he's always had Drew Brees along for that ride. And so the big question is, you know, what will the Saints team be without Drew Brees? We kind of saw a taste of that last year. Unfortunately, watching Taysom Hill against the Falcons, he looked great uh, against everybody else. Not so much. And so obviously, you know, maybe I have a little bit of bias here, but I'm hoping that, you know, the non-Falcons Taysom Hill shows up if he should wind up being the starter. Uh, Jameis Winston, also a famous, infamous uh, depending on where you're coming from, Falcons killer. So uh, regardless of who winds up starting for the Saints, they'll probably wind up dropping 40 points on the Falcons this year based off of history. But I, I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic between those two because, you know, when I look at it, like with Michael Thomas being hurt, it felt like with a healthy Michael Thomas, James Winston was going to be your guy. But mm -hmm. without that and in, in the question marks surrounding the other weapons that the Saints have in terms of whether they can 
facilitate a consistent and reliable passing game without Michael Thomas, because he's kind of been a one man machine these last couple of years, you know, you kind of lean a little bit, maybe in Taysom Hill's direction, where if you want to lean a little bit heavily on the running game, uh, that favors uh, offense spearheaded by Taysom Hill, where him and Alvin Kamara can be sort of that one, two punch alongside Latavius Murray coming in, you know, with that bronze medal as that third option in the running game. And it, it kind of seems like, at least from the outside looking in, that might be the direction the Saints might want to go. Um, but if that's the case, then a lot of their success, I think, kind of hinges on their defense. And they've had a good defense these last couple of years. It mostly stayed intact. With, you know, they lost a couple of pieces. Um, but it seems like, you know, getting like players like Juan Alexander back um, mm-hmm. and, and other additions that they made, that one should assume, at least in theory, that their defense should be as good as it has been these last couple of years. And so if that's the case, you know, running the football and, and playing good defense, not necessarily the MO that Sean Payton and company have been known for over these last, you know, 15 years with Drew Brees, but maybe that's the style of football that the Saints want to play this year. Yeah, that that Quan Alexander re-signing was a big one for the New Orleans Saints. They cut him to save over $13 million and signed him back on an incentive-laden deal that has a lot of playtime incentives that has a maximum of $3 million. So they saved about $10 million on the guy and certainly helped to make that defense look a lot better than it did at the beginning of this offseason following the free agency period. Julian, how are the uh, Panthers looking at uh, the New Orleans Saints across the division? You know, it's interesting what Aaron said there when he's kind of leaning more on Taysom Hill being the starting quarterback and kind of run heavy. Like you know, the Saints can be out there looking like Air Force this season, like looking like a service <laughs> guy to me. Because I mean, I'm down with that. I, I honestly, it's interesting just looking at this team. Because like the last two seasons, yeah, Drew Reese is gone, but like, come on, by the time like that playoff game, it was funny for me to watch and mm-hmm. for I'm sure the other two guys to watch for you. I'm sure it was very painful. He didn't bit. have it. He didn't have it anymore. So right. they go three and one chasing last year. The year before that, Teddy Bridgewater, who was here in Carolina last year, went five and oh. So they're eight and one the last few seasons about Drew Brees. What that tells me is regardless of the quarterback is this is a pretty darn good roster for the New Orleans Saints. And the question is just how much of a step are they going to take back? Because you go based off the last two seasons, you shouldn't expect them to take that much up with the back at all. And maybe they might be able to stretch the field this season if they have Jameis as their starting quarterback. I would imagine that Jameis would be the guy. I can't imagine that Sean Payton is seriously going to throw out Taysom Hill and believes in him. And in terms of offense, when you're not going to have Michael Thomas out there for the first couple weeks of the season, you can utilize Taysom Hill the same way you've done the last couple of years of Drew Brees. If he's the backup quarterback, opposed to if he's a starter, then you don't have Jameis out there. And I think you're limiting yourself as an offense as a whole. So I still think New Orleans is probably the second best team in this division. But that week two game at Bank of America Stadium in Uptown Charlotte is certainly one that could be gettable for the Panthers, considering the early injuries with Michael Thomas, Will Lutz, the kicking game, especially look here in Carolina, kicking game is terrible. So you can never overlook the, the special teams, the kicking game that they have down in New Orleans, and also the losses and how that team is able to incorporate either Winston, who I think should be the starter, or Taysom Hill, which I'm going to laugh if he is the starter. It's going to be really interesting to, uh, you know, by the time that folks are listening to this, we might know who the starter is, of course, because, you know, it takes time to produce things like this. So we had to get ahead of it, but it'll be really interesting to see which way they go and and what it means for uh, for the team. But yeah, the kicking game is something I'm a little bit concerned about at this moment. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, got the opportunity to uh, knock the New Orleans Saints out of the playoffs on the way in a very, very uh, valiant a game. I mean, it was a fantastic game, particularly over on the defensive side. Lots of good stuff from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How are they looking at their, uh, uh, I'll say, further deepening rivals in the division, I think, uh, as we move into 2021? 
I think they're licking their chops at this point. Mm. I mean, the Saints have been the bully on the block. They bullied them in week one and week nine last year. You know, that embarrassment in prime time when the Saints just absolutely smacked Tampa around up and down their own field. And then you have the divisional round game and, uh, you know, it was the Bucks' turn to to get after the Saints, and it was still a great defensive performance by New Orleans. You know, the Buccaneers took advantage of some opportunistic defensive plays, some takeaways, and and were able to win the game. So I think they're ready to get after New Orleans and assert themselves as the best team in this division. And I think it adds a, another layer if Jameis Winston ends up being a starter, which I do think he will be. The dynamic of Saints fans versus Buccaneers fans on social media has been an absolutely <laughs> wild, wild uh, thing to, to witness because you have all these Saints fans who for years and years talked about how trash Jameis Winston was as a quarterback. Now talking about him as he's going to be a pro bowler. He's going to lead them to another division title. You know, nothing's changed. The Saints are still the Bucks' daddy, all this stuff. So I, I think the Buccaneers are saying, look, we are the defending champions. We still have Tom Brady. We have three of the you know four best receivers in the division on the team. Uh, with the Falcons having you know the other top four. Ha ha. Yeah. Michael Thomas. <laughs> I'll, give him, I'll give him number five, but he's no Calvin Ridley. Um, <laughs> and you know they have a defense now that has asserted themselves as one of the most dominant in the NFL and bringing everybody back. So I I think they can't wait to face New Orleans and say, you know what? Step aside. It's our turn. Yeah, and we get the first one of those games on Halloween night, too. I mean, oh, it's going to be in so New Orleans. Oh, it's going to be so fantastic. I love it. You know, I, I got to tell you, James, I'm just, I was just glad to hear you acknowledge that uh, Saints are still the Bucks' daddy. Uh, let's uh, go no, no, now no, no, to no. <laughs> <laughs> let's go now to stealing some players from the New Orleans Saints. I know, uh, you know, not everybody's a big fan of the idea of some of the players or, or, or each other's teams, but sometimes you're a big fan of the players that are on other teams. So uh, Aaron Freeman, host of Locked on Falcons, let's go back to you uh if you could take one player from the new orleans saints roster who would it be well uh initially i was thinking about going in the direction of marcus williams because i thought he was going to be a free mm. agent but somehow the salary cap proved to be a lie once more in the saints always tag him uh <laughs> despite being a hundred million dollars over uh, the salary <laughs> cap um and so i thought the falcons were going to land marcus williams but uh with with sort of looking aside from him you know alvin kamara's the, the guy he's the guy in new orleans He's, he's one of the top running backs in the league. He can do it on the ground. He can do it through the air. He's, he's a dynamic playmaker. And certainly, you know, I think this Falcons running game would actually look pretty scary if they had a player like Alvin Kamara on the roster. Love it. Uh, Julian Council, the host of Locked On Panthers. What about you? I think it's pretty easy. The Panthers don't have a left tackle, so I'll take Teron Armstead. Please. Ah, that's a good one. Because, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter one. who's playing quarterback back there, whether it's Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, Will Greer, it doesn't matter. The Panthers need a left tackle to figure out that position. We're going to nine years in a row where they've had a different start at left tackle for week one, and I can no longer do this. Yeah, and you get a rapper on the roster too, which is always a lot of fun. We have a few yeah. of those in New Orleans. I always love that. Uh, and then we'll wrap this one up with uh, James Yarko, host of Locked On Bucks, along with David Harrison. What you got, bud? Oh, Alvin Kamara unquestionably yeah. it's it's Kamara not that I don't love Ronald Jones who would have been a thousand yard rusher last year had he not missed the last two weeks um and, and I like playoff Lenny regular season Lenny let's wait and see 
But Alvin Kamara is such a game changer and dropping him and Bruce Arians offense would just be an absolute dream. All right, y'all. We're going to be continuing on our NFC South preview here on the Locked On Podcast Network, as well as with our friends over at Odyssey. We were talking about those Tampa Bay Buccaneers up next, Super Bowl champions. We'll get into all the same topics, but break down uh, Tom Brady and the boys over in Tampa. I got that coming up for you next as we continue on with our ultimate season preview here at Locked On. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time to talk about your defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ross, you're over there laughing, and, and I know it stings. I know it stings. I, Look, man, I, I keep telling everybody they deserved it. It was a damn good season. Like, I'm not I'm never mad at people winning, man. Go out there and win. No, but we we have so much fun giving each other grief, being, you know, the the teams that are constantly going at each other. And, and mm-hmm. you know, like you mentioned, when we talked about the Saints, it's it's becoming quite quite the rivalry. But, you know, with the Buccaneers heading into the 2021 season, you, you rattled off all the changes for the New Orleans Saints. I got nothing. The yeah. Buccaneers added Gio Bernard, and that's it, guys. I mean, they <laughs> they brought back all 22 starters from the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you have Antonio Brown now, who's who has a full offseason with the team in training camp, uh, and it's it's been amazing to watch Brady and Antonio Brown work because you already had Mike Evans, you already have Chris Godwin, two of the best receivers in the division. Now you add Antonio Brown. What what are defenses supposed to do at that point? And I tweeted out from camp uh, a few weeks ago, find someone who loves you the way Tom Brady loves Antonio Brown because everything was going to that guy and he was catching it all. Uh, it's, it's really been incredible to watch. But on the other side, you have a defense now that stays intact. You have young rising stars in the NFL in Devin White, Shaquille Barrett, Antoine Winfield Jr., you've added Joe Tryon Schwenka as your first-round pick to partner there with JPP and Shaq Barrett. And all these guys, you know, Tryon Schwenka being excluded, they're all coming back into Todd Bowles' system again. A very difficult, intricate system to work in, and these guys all understand it better, which means the blitzes are going to be more intricate, the disguises are going to be more intricate and it's it's really going to be exciting for a lot of Buccaneers fans to to witness the way things are going to go so I I don't really know what else to say about him it's ho-hum same old same old from 2020 so Aaron let's let's kick it over to you here for a second how are the Falcons looking at the Buccaneers here in 2021 
Well, James, I can say last year when, uh, you know, long before the Bucs won the Super Bowl, I was looking at that Bucs team and I'm like, I, I don't know how this season is going to go. The rest of this 2020 season is going to go. But I know that Bucs team is going to be the team to beat in 2021. Of course, they were, you know, now they're coming off a Super Bowl win. So everybody knows that. But, you know, I can sit here and claim that maybe I knew first because we, we saw that team last year uh, sort of be a little bit inconsistent offensively. Um, we saw their defense be a little bit more of that stabilizing force and they were able to guide, ride that, uh, you know, to a lot of success in the postseason, obviously to the ultimate success in the postseason. And the expectation is that that offense, you know, the growing pains that they kind of went through in that first year under Tom Brady, learning under Bruce Arians, you would assume most of those issues are going to be gone now, uh, given the continuity that they have and given year two. So it's hard to imagine what the world will be like with, Tom Brady and that Bucks offense cooking at a high level and that defense continue to maintain. So from the Falcons perspective, you're just kind of hoping that something goes awfully awry. Like the Bucs just decide to show up and like, oh, we, we won the Super Bowl, get a little complacent or whatever the case may be, because the Falcons had the, the most difficult time matching up with that team a year ago. I don't see what the Bucs did or anything the Falcons did to, to really change that match. So I look at this Bucs team, you know, potentially firing on all cylinders and being one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Tom Brady struggling early in that Bruce Arians offense. And you go back, you look historically at Bruce Arians quarterbacks. You have Carson Palmer who struggled in his first year, then exploded in year two. Andrew Luck struggled a little bit, then exploded. You had Roethlisberger, you had Peyton Manning, you have these guys that it took a while to get. And then in year two, they get even better. It took Tom Brady a half a season to figure it out for these two guys to get together and say, this is what works. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent there, Julian. Uh, what's the perspective uh, coming from the Carolina Panthers? Well, that's a team that they're not going to see until what week 16 and 18. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something ridiculous. <laughs> it's the, it's the same nonsense they did with the Falcons last right. year. Right. Yeah. So it, Looking back at last year, neither one of those games were competitive at all. The week two game in Tampa where Christian McCaffrey suffered that injury that basically cost him the majority of the season before getting his shoulder pile drive to the get ground in Kansas City and his, his return. And then later on in the season, they just weren't competitive. So at this point, I think the Carolina Panthers want to at least show that they can compete with the Buccaneers. Just looking at that team. You bring back everybody. You add the Joe, Joe Tryon, who looks like a complete monster. It's just like, what's the point? I mean, this is, is the season already over for the rest of the league when you look at Tampa. My only thing with them is the injury luck last year was among the best in the National Football League. It's just that's not going to happen again for them this year, just based off of just how that typically goes. So it depends on who gets injured. Like if Brady goes down, Blaine Gabbert, as we know, he ain't it. I don't care what wide receivers you have around him. I love the Gio, the Gio Bernard uh, signing. I mean, obviously biased. North Carolina Tar Heel, one of my favorite players of all time in college football. I think that's going to be awesome for Tom Brady to have that kind of third down back that he had back in New England, like a guy who's like a James White. So, no, Tampa's going to be fantastic. Carolina's going to be facing late on the season where maybe they might be in the wild card hunt. And maybe they could get that week 18 game, but the Bucs have already wrapped up the one seed and decide that they're going to sit their guys for not just one, but two weeks. Yeah. And you're hundred percent right on the injury front. Yeah. They, they had a couple with, you know, Ali Marpet went down and then one of the guys that filled in for him in, in AQ Shipley, he goes down to a career ending injury, but by and large, 
the Bucks got through the season avoiding some major injuries and not getting hit with the COVID bug. So it'll be interesting to see if, if that happens again. Then again, Tom Brady played the whole season on a torn MCL. So he is immortal. He is all. He is Brady. Ross, that <laughs> takes us to you. Um, from the Saints perspective, this is this is a team that has owned this division for the last four years. How are they looking at at this budding and, and heated rivalry now? Yeah, I mean it, it's it, it's watch the throne. It, I mean the 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 Bucks are the guys that are coming for the crown, right? I mean that's what the New Orleans Saints have to look at. And I talked a lot about the New Orleans Saints when we did last year's preview in comparison to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I was talking up the New Orleans Saints because of their continuity from 2019 and 2020, returning nearly all of their starters, returning their coaching staff as well which is something i think that the bucks did it's even more remarkable than bringing back all 22 players following a super bowl season is to retain their entire coaching staff as well which i thought was massively impressive and so i think that you know i have to look at the tampa Bay buccaneers and say that as far as i'm concerned they're the team that's coming for the nfc crown ever excuse me nfc south crown in 2021 and potentially the nfc crown as well assuming as we've sort of alluded to here that everything stays together and everybody stays healthy i mean if you have tom brady as your quarterback you're going to be the team, right? I mean, that's going to happen. And sort of like what the New Orleans Saints are about to discover about themselves is, was it Sean Payton or was it Drew Brees? Is it a little bit more Sean Payton? Was it a little bit more Drew Brees? We learned that, hey, Tom Brady can be successful wherever Tom Brady goes last year. I don't think that there's any reason to expect differently going into this season. The only thing would be if they have to shift to another one of those quarterbacks, as we saw here recently, Kyle Trask struggles a little bit quite a bit maybe I think you would say so obviously the drop off between QB1 to QB2 along with Blaine Gabbard there as well as Julian reference is pretty big can the defense continue to be as uh you know can they ball out the way that they did last year I mean they made up for what was it three interceptions in the NFC championship game mm -hmm. for on the on the buck side committing those turnovers and that defense got that ball back for them and so the defense becomes a huge part of what this team is able uh, or will be looking to put together in 2021 so i mean i think that the bucks stack up extremely well within this division as they retain all of their players move in have the continuity and have the cohesion that's not available for at least any of the offenses around and i would even say defenses for the most part certainly for the saints within the division with the exception of maybe the atlanta falcons who i know lost julio jones but kept a lot of their core together over on the offensive side particularly at the skill position and quarterback spots with the exception of julio and then of course the running back position but i think that they got better there with mike davis but we'll talk about that in a moment but i think that the bucks are a little bit uh you know pretty much the clear front runner in terms of expectation going into 2021 so we're all in agreement, 17 and 0 for, for Tampa Bay. Is that, is that what I just heard? I'll give you 10 and 7. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm we'll, playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. You're saying 17 and 0. That means they're going to forfeit the rest of the season due to COVID. Right. Right. Oh, 17 and 0 regular season. We, uh, you know, okay, we weren't so talking. I, <laughs> just want to clarify. I just want to make right, sure. Right. <laughs> Let's get all our ducks in a row now. Uh, all right. Well, you know, we're we're talking about a, a a stacked team, a loaded roster, and I'm interested to hear which player you guys want to take from this roster to place on your own team. And Aaron, we're we're going to start with you in the Atlanta Falcons. There, 
Well, you know, if you listen to Locked on Falcons, one of the big topics all offseason long is what is going on with this Falcons left guard position. They're mm-hmm. basically just throwing junk at it and saying, please protect Matt Ryan. And so I'm looking at the Bucs, a player I've respected for a very long time since humble beginnings at Division Three Hobart. I'm looking at Bucks left guard Ali Marpet, one of the most underrated guards in the NFL, finally got recognized, I think, last year with his first Pro Bowl bid, but certainly one of the top players. Uh, at his respective position and certainly would come into Atlanta and really solidify a very uh, big weakness along that Falcons offensive line. That's all right. We haven't even heard the other two. That's already my favorite uh, answer out of this because we love Ali Marpet and he just doesn't get, like you said, nearly enough respect. But Julia, we're going to kick it over to you and the Carolina Panthers. Who are you taking off this roster? Well, the Panthers desperately need a quarterback, so I'd love to take the go. <laughs> but the only problem is Tom Brady can't move, so there's no point in putting on his roster. So I'll take Tristan Wirfs, who was fantastic last year, the right tackle for the Bucs. Panthers already have a great right tackle in their own right here with Taylor Moten. But you can figure out one of them can play left tackle at some point. So you get two good left tackles, figure out which one's better on the left, which one's better on the right, and especially that they're both two young players. I would want that here in Carolina to have the book in the tackle position and to have that to be solidified for years to come. All right. And Ross, you already took Jameis and Quan, so you're you're exempt <laughs> from this. <laughs> oh, you know they're gonna be coming for. Um, no, I mean, if I was gonna take somebody for this roster, it's a simple, simple one for me. It, it, it's gotta be Chris Godwin. I mean, this is a team, the New Orleans Saints, that have struggled to put a wide receiver consistently across from Michael Thomas. They tried the Ted Ginn Jr. experiment from the Carolina Panthers. They tried the uh they tried Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders last year, and and you know, there's a lot of different things you can say about the 2020 season. Uh, but I, I think you know, adding Chris Godwin next to or across from excuse me, uh, Michael Thomas, assuming Michael Thomas were to stick around long-term in New Orleans to finish out even a portion of his his remaining contract, I think that would be a, a huge benefit for them. And if he doesn't, then having Chris Godwin to take that spot, I think would be a, a great benefit for them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, nothing like taking the best receiver in the division, uh, you know, off, off. I'm just <laughs> glad you give it to Chris Godwin and not Mike Evans, you know? Oh, Mike's number two. Mike's number two. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are going to talk some Carolina Panthers coming up in just a moment as we preview the NFC South right here on the Locked On Network. It's finally that time to talk about the greatest team in the history of the National Football League. Just kidding. (laughs) Carolina Panthers, the the pride of both Carolinas, stand and cheer, keep pounding. A team coming off a 5-11 season in year one of Matt Rule. Now entering year two of Matt Rule. Let's not even exclude um, exclude, excuse me, Joe Brady, who was getting a ton of head coaching interviews last year and is one of the young, hot offensive minds in the National Football League and will likely be getting other interviews coming up here in a 2022 offseason, depending on how the year plays out. The offseason, not a ton of losses of note for the Carolina Panthers. Some guys that have been around for a while, like KK Short, who was a fantastic player for a number of years, but only played in five games for the last two seasons as a defensive tackle and nose guard. So, you lose him, but they hadn't really had in the last couple of seasons. Trey Boston, who started his career in Carolina, then went out to Arizona and San, Francisco, and San Diego, now L.A. He came back. He was released this offseason to allow Jeremy Chen, who played all over the defense last year, primarily at linebacker, allowing him to move back and play at the free safety position. Zach um, Kerr, he's gone. Chris Martinez, 
according to Joe Tessitore, who was terrible Monday Night Football, actually Mark Manhurts has gone to Jacksonville. And we saw Alex Arma, who headed over to a division rival in New Orleans to be the fullback. And the biggest offseason loss is really Curtis Samuel. But looking at Christian McCaffrey only playing in three games last season, I don't see it as that big of a loss considering McCaffrey would have had another huge season, which would not have allowed Curtis Samuel to have the breakout year that he had. So he reunites with Ron Rivera and that coaching staff up with the Washington football team. Really the main question for this team heading into 2021 is if Sam Darnold can be that franchise quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. They tried a Teddy Bridgewater experiment last year after his 5-0 and as a starter with New Orleans. He obviously had the understanding of the offense, having worked with Joe Brady and under Sean Payton there in New Orleans for a couple of seasons. But last year did not pan out the way that Teddy hoped and I guess Matt Rule and Marty Herney, who's no longer here, had hoped. Based on what we had seen throughout his career, Teddy Bridgewater was definitely not worth $20 million a year to be a starting quarterback in a franchise for anyone. They said he was a bridge quarterback. Yeah, I don't think he's even really been a bridge because now it's just another gamble in Sam Darnold, who the Panthers traded a second, fourth, and a sixth-round pick for four weeks ahead of the draft, bypassing Justin Fields and Mac Jones, who were both available there at number eight. So can Sam Darnold be that guy for the Carolina Panthers? This year and beyond, we've already seen that the David Tepper, the owner, and the Panthers brass don't have much patience after one bad season. So we'll see if Sam Darnold can figure things out. He has plenty of weapons here in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey back, hopefully going to be healthy again this season. DJ Moore, who has been one of the most underrated wide receivers the last few seasons, considering he's had Cam Newton, whose shoulder was falling off throwing to him. Kyle Allen, who was terrible throwing to him. P.J. Walker and the aforementioned Teddy Bridgewater. Four quarterbacks, one who used to be great, three other ones who, eh, not really good at all. And he's had back-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Robbie Anderson had a career year last year, and you add Paris Marshall. The offensive line will be a major question mark, but that defense didn't get after the passer last year, but you add in Hassan Reddick. Brian Burns comes back this year, and if he's healthy, has a chance to get double-digit sacks for your pro bowler. Jeremy Chen, who could have been a defensive rookie of the year in the NFL last year, had there not been a guy named Chase Young who was, you know, just doing Chase Young things and destroying the National Football League. Panthers have a chance to take a step forward. That's typically how things go with Matt Rule. First year, not good. Second year, step forward. Third year, that's when they really make the leap and can be potentially be a contender for back in college conference championship. But then here in the NFL, hopefully a division title and maybe even more. So looking at the perspective of the folks down there in I-85 South, Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. What do you think uh, about your Falcons matching up with the Carolina Panthers here in 2021? We were doing this divisional preview. I was like, I don't love this team. I love the talent, but their skill positions, you know, with Joe Brady calling things, this could be a fun offense. And now with Sam Darnold, I don't, it doesn't seem as fun, at least from my perspective, at least if you're a Carolina Panther fan, maybe if you're a Falcons fan, it's much funner uh, in, in terms of what this team can wind up doing. And so I think Carolina seems to be betting a whole lot on their defense, making a big step forward, as well as making a potential upgrade at that quarterback position. I think the defense is a probably a good bet uh, as far as what we saw from the flashes of some of those young guys. Uh, a year ago when they spent the entirety of their draft class on uh, defensive players. But the quarterback bet seems like a bad bet in my eye. So I think if you're the Falcons, if you can figure out a way to stop those skilled players and and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and and Christian McCaffrey, which, you know, is easier said than done. um, I I think, you know, you're looking at this Carolina team as, as a team that may not make as big a leap. Um, but obviously, you know, the matchup is going to really be how good this defense is. And if you're the Falcons, you often, 
uh, not always, often had high-powered uh, offenses. So you're, you're feeling pretty good that you can maybe pick apart uh, particularly some of those weaknesses in that Carolina secondary uh, with some of the weapons that Atlanta has. But uh, certainly a, a team that is on the rise, but I don't know if they're going to make that big leap, as you alluded to, Julian, until maybe next year, uh, depending on some additional moves that they can make uh, you know, th- over the next year or so. Yeah, it's all about making progress and seeing what you have at quarterback. And I would not preclude this team if Sam Darnold has a similar finish to last this season as Teddy Bridgewater had last year in the second half. To them looking at potentially, I don't know, whoever Sam Howell out of North Carolina, Spencer Rattler, or whatever flavor of the month Zach Wilson's type quarterback comes out of nowhere and people fall in love with. And you're right about just – I was very interested to hear about how you guys would feel about the quarterback position. Because you look at Teddy Bridgewater last year, who this team moved on from, they had four guys on the team on the offense who had over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Your guy Mike Davis is now there in Atlanta. Curtis Samuel is now departing into Washington. And DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. You add Christian McCaffrey. You add a true red zone threat in Terrace Marshall and Dan Arnold at tight end. You have to think that Sam Darnold didn't have these weapons. Has to at least be a lot better than he was in New York. But will that be better than Teddy Bridgewater? I'm curious, James. The Panthers and Bucks don't see each other until later on in the season. Will the Panthers be really playing for anything, or or the Bucks just going to be kind of in cruise control by that point in time? I I don't think the Panthers will be playing for anything at that point, and that's not to take anything away from the way this roster is constructed outside of one thing, and that's Sam Darnold. I flat out I don't trust him. I don't believe in him. I didn't like him when he was drafted by the Jets. The question that I have, there's no doubt that Sam Darnold has some raw talent, but has Adam Gase destroyed him to the point that he can't be saved? Because you take a look, you know, obviously Christian McCaffrey is one of the most electric humans in the NFL, but even on the defensive side of the ball, there are players that I absolutely love. And and you mentioned a couple of them. I love Jeremy Chen, Hassan Reddick, Shaq Thompson, Brian Burns. These guys are just absolutely phenomenal on the defensive side of the ball. Um, You talk about all the the people that had a thousand yards from scrimmage. And I think that they downgraded at quarterback. And that's not to say that I thought Teddy was great, It's my lack of confidence in Darnold. So I'm real interested to see if if I'm right in saying that the Panthers made a big mistake trading for Darnold or if we're going to see kind of that Ryan Tannehill-esque rise to the level that he should have already been had he not had a terrible, terrible coach get in his way so early in his career. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the Tannehill thing. I've seen a lot of people who brought up that point. Let's not forget your defensive coordinator down there in Tampa was his initial head coach in New York for that first season. Then Gase came over and proved that he is a bum and has no reason ever being a head coach in the National Football <laughs> League again. I will say, though, because I actually talked about this before on Locked on Panthers, if Sam Darnold could be the next Tannehill. Tannehill, when he was in Miami under Jill Philbin, earned a second contract. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he was terrible. And in that right. first year under Gase, where the Dolphins went to the playoffs, at that point in time, that's when he had the highest passer rating of his career before, of course, the last two seasons in Tennessee. So it wasn't like he was bad in Miami. Sam Darnold, when you look at the numbers, was objectively the worst starting quarterback over the last three years in the NFL. Is that Adam Gase's fault or is that Sam Darnold? We're certainly going to be able to find out here in 2021, but I don't really like that Ryan Tannehill comparison because it wasn't like he was awful in Miami. He did get away from bad coach, but he has also shown more than he had shown in Miami as well. Ross Jackson, 
already said week two, I think it's gonna be very interesting with the Panthers and Saints. I think the Panthers potentially could contend for that number two slot, not thinking about Aaron Freeman as Falcons at all in the NFC South. How do you project the the Panthers as the Saints could be susceptible week two and who knows what they're going to look like later on the season in week 17 in New Orleans. Yeah, I love that we have this sort of like week two matchup and then this week 17 like check in at the end of the season. Like what's changed so far? How's the rhythm going? Um, You know, I'm not going to lie. I I came into this expecting that I was going to be the one guy that was like, hey, I don't trust Sam Darnold. But here we are, everybody talking about not trusting Sam Darnold. So I'm not going to harp on it, but I just want to say that I do agree with that. But there are a couple of additions that I loved for this team that I think are going to factor into, particularly that week two matchup going up against the New Orleans Saints, where the Saints are going to be trying to find their identity, find their rhythm and find out where they're going. And they're going to be going up against a uh, familiar opponent, quote unquote, although both of them are going through so many changes or have been with the Panthers last season with the coaching changes, quarterback changes, everything that's going on there. And of course, New Orleans State's going through that as well. Those two additions came in the draft for me on the defensive side, J.C. Horn, the top selection in the top 10, bringing in that corner who was absolutely phenomenal at South Carolina. The New Orleans Saints reportedly were trying to trade up into the top 10 to grab him. And everybody said, well, why would you trade up into the top 10 for a cornerback? Well, there's why, because he got drafted in the top 10. So there's that part. But I'm actually glad they didn't make that move because I think drafting him when you're already there versus moving up from the late 20s or early 20s to do it, it's a lot of cap to give up for you know a, a corner in the first in, in in that top 10 but i do think that he's somebody of course that could potentially complicate things early for whomever the starting quarterback is going to be in new orleans whether it's Jameis winston or it's Taysom hill and then when it comes to the offensive side i look at the addition of as you mentioned in reference earlier terrace marshall and i'm not just saying that because go tigers i'm saying that also because of the fact that this guy is somebody that the new orleans saints were reportedly targeting and Another the guy. Panthers stole out from under them. <laughs> we'll see if, you know, who knows how true that is or whatever, but still great draft story nonetheless. And then, of course, uh, they ended up still being able to circle around and get the guy that they were originally looking at at that point in, in Brady Christensen out of BYU. So I think there were some really nice moves that were made for young players to add to this roster that is continuing to uh, get better and progress over the course of you know these seasons. And they have a bit of a, a lengthy time to continue to move things around and, and and sort of finesse things with a nice contract from Matt Rule being there and giving them the opportunity to have that third year, fourth year to see where they move along. So I look at them as a team that can potentially contend and upset and surprise in 2021, but because I don't trust Sam Darnold very much, uh, I don't know if this is the year that it really all comes together. Although if it does, I wouldn't be too terribly surprised either as long as Sam Darnold can, you know, get it get it right and that's really that's the hesitation i also have because i talk about how much i love this defense pretty much daily on locked on panthers but the two questions i have are the offensive line and quarterback and they're also the youngest team in the national football league so it's very hard for me to believe that they're going to be a, have a winning record this year like eight and nine certainly feels like in the realm of possibilities for the panthers but when you look at the key question mark at quarterback and along the offensive line and also special teams nightmare at kicker with Joey Sly currently, it's going to be very difficult to just be all in on this team, even though there are plenty of things like. Um, in terms of guys that y'all want to steal, I, we can go ahead and say Chris McCaffrey for everyone, right? I mean, Aaron Freeman, Mike Davis, we love him here in Carolina. He's a Georgia guy, but he ain't no CMC. I know at least a lot of Falcon fans really wanted the team to draft back in that 2019 first-round pick and let him you know, slip to the uh, – Carolina Panthers, and that's Brian Burns. Uh-huh. Falcons, 
desperately need a pass rush. Um, and Falcons, you know, fans that are listening to this know that the Falcons have basically been searching for John Abraham ever since John Abraham left way back in 2013. So, uh, you know, anytime any pass rusher comes to Atlanta, they put, you know, the seven years of, of expectations, a decade's worth of expectations on that guy. And, and certainly Brian Burns from afar, obviously not doing it in Atlanta, but certainly living up to a lot of the hype. Uh, so one of the few guys that Falcon fans have been interested in too, that maybe, you know, other than the Vic Beasies and the Tack McKinley's and the Dante Fowler's that would live up to the hype if he would be on the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Three uh, tough misses there for the Falcons. Now, Vic Beasley was okay for a certain point in time, but the guy doesn't love football, which is very hard to play in National Football League if you don't love football. But I love that pick. Brian Burns, someone I think can be a pro bowler this year. James, uh, again, Christian McCaffrey. I love I mean, Ronald Jones. He's okay. Playoff Lenny. Gio will always have my heart and soul. But I mean, McCaffrey on that Bucks offense. Yep. Game, game over. Game over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you have two, two solid running backs in Rojo and Fournette. You got your pass catching back in Gio Bernard, or you just have Christian McCaffrey, which is all three rolled into one and better than all of them rolled into one. So yeah, I'll just, what do you give the, the man that has everything? You give him a pass catching running back that can play all three downs and could potentially lead the NFL in rushing. Yeah, give me Christian McCaffrey. Ross Jackson, don't even sit here and cap and tell me that you don't want Christian McCaffrey instead of Alvin Kamara. Oh, I don't want Christian McCaffrey instead of Alvin Kamara. I would love to have Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. Now we're talking, but I'll go. I'll go with the more. I'll go with something a little bit realistic, a little bit different here, a little bit more realistic, a little bit different here. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jeremy Chin. Jeremy oh. Chin for me, this def- this player that can play all along a defense, sort of feels like a young. Malcolm Jenkins to me, and maybe even somebody who has the ability to be, uh, you know, Malcolm Jenkins wins on the field because of his his football IQ and his experience and everything like that. So I don't want to compare them uh, immediately to one another, but somebody that could serve a Malcolm Jenkins like role in this New Orleans Saints offense to be able to play in the box, be able to play deep, be able to play sort of this nickel linebacker role as well as guard out of the slot. He would just be a really, really good fit for when the New Orleans Saints, you know, don't have Malcolm Jenkins on the roster anymore are doing what they can to try to retain Malcolm, uh, excuse me, Marcus Williams for next year. But if they can't do that, you want to replace, you know, one of those guys with somebody that you trust. And I would love to have Jeremy Chin and CJ Gardner Johnson on this new Orleans saints defense roaming and operating in the box together. I think that's a really fantastic, uh, opportunity, or that would be a really fantastic opportunity for the saints. So I'll steal Jeremy Chin away. No, thank you. We can keep Jeremy Chin, please. And you, <laughs> and you heard it right there, folks. All three of the other locked-on team hosts in the NFC South believe in the Carolina Panthers with the fiercest mascot by far in its division. No one's afraid of a Buccaneer. No one's afraid of a Falcon. <laughs> and no one's afraid of a Saint or a Flutely or whatever. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody afraid over here with that. <laughs> so, so very obviously, the Carolina Panthers will win the NFC South here in 2021. You heard it from those guys right there here on the NFC South Lockdown Podcast Breakdown. And next we'll be talking about the Atlanta Falcons with Aaron Freeman of Lockdown Falcons. All right, guys, Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons here to continue our conversation where we're locked on NFC South with my NFC South co-host. And, you know, we're last but not least, at least if you don't listen to my Locked On Panthers uh, friend over there, uh, in terms of talking about this Atlanta Falcons team, a lot of changes. 
for this Falcons team, new head coach, new general manager, getting Arthur Smith from Tennessee, borrowing uh, Terry Fontenot, the new GM from New Orleans. And the big question is, you know, how much of the Falcons struggles these last couple of years, three consecutive non-playoff seasons, the first time in the Matt Ryan era going back almost 15 years, uh, how much of their struggles these last couple of years was due to coaching? How much of it was due to personnel? And we're going to find that out uh, based off of what Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot can do. But, you know, the Falcons made several personnel changes. They lost the best player in the NFC South. That is, of course, Julio Jones. Uh, and if we were doing the segment later on when we're stealing players, if Julio Jones was still on the team, I think there's some uh, people that would be stealing him. But I know at least a couple of these Locked on NFC South co-hosts are happy that Julio Jones is not going to be eviscerating their defenses as he has done for the last decade moving forward. But they replaced Julio Jones with another big time playmaker that might be eviscerating these NFC South defenses for the next decade. That is, of course, Kyle Pitts, the tight end uh, out of Florida, who was the number four overall selection, the highest drafted tight end in NFL history. So, you know, he's pretty good. Uh, you know, we haven't quite seen him yet in the preseason, but I think the Falcons are sort of saving that. Maybe, you know, James might get a, a very early glimpse of what Kyle Pitts can do in that week two matchup uh, with the Falcons between the Bucks and Falcons. Um, you know, the Falcons lost a other Hall of Fame player in center Alex Mack, along with left guard James Carpenter, not a Hall of Famer. And they're kind of going with some young players and Matt Hennessy, a second year player, uh, possibly a third round pick in Jalen Mayfield at that left guard position position to sort of fill those spots. You also have an addition from the NFC South in Mike Davis to upgrade Ty Gurley, uh, potentially at that running game. So some questions for the Falcons offense, but they have some talent there. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, most people think the biggest addition that the Falcons made was not a player, but a coach and defensive coordinator, Dean Pease. And he's bringing a scheme, a lot of NFL experience being a defensive coordinator, going back to his days in Tennessee, Baltimore, New England, having a lot of success there and hoping that he can sort of solidify the defense, a feat that Dan Quinn was not really able to accomplish and, and one of the big factors in leading to his dismissal uh, this past year. But in addition to adding Dean Pease, the Falcons didn't make any big splashes on the defensive side of the ball. They added a kind of a journeyman cornerback from Washington in Fabian Moreau to start opposite their uh, second year corner and AJ Terrell had a very promising rookie season. They drafted a, a second round pick out of UCF and Richie Grant uh, to tag team and replace their secondary or their safety position where they lost their top three safeties in Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen and DeMonte Casey. Many of those guys going to Dallas to rejoin Dan Quinn, but they replaced them with Grant. Uh, they signed a veteran free agent from uh, New England and Deron Harmon and also added one of the free agents from the Las Vegas Raiders and Eric Harris to replace those guys. We'll see if they wind up being an upgrade over what the Falcons had. And then, you know, one of the big questions for the Falcons is, you know, what do they have up front? And they didn't really make any major changes, major additions, nothing that's really going to really move the needle uh, for anybody listening to this podcast. You know, certainly on Lockdown Falcons, we talk quite a bit about players like Adeo Gundeji, their fifth round pick, their fifth round pick, Taquan Graham, but not necessarily guys that I think are household names or will be household names anytime soon. But uh, let's, uh, you know, move this conversation and see where Julian, uh, the Lockdown Panthers host, thinks this Falcon team matches up with, you know, this Panthers team. He's been talking a lot of trash. So, Julian, I'll give you the floor uh, to, to continue that trash talk here. 
Uh, they don't. No, but honestly, though, I, I, I'm actually one of those few people, and I'm, I don't know how Ross and James feel, but I feel like I'm one of the few people who roots for a team in the NFC South that's actually sad to see Julio Jones go. I was very interested to see that offense with Matt Ryan, who I still think actually has some years left. And Panther fans trash Matt Ryan all the time and talk about, oh, he's not all that good. He only had one good season, yada, yada, yada. It's like, that's the same thing that people down in 85 South said about Cam Newton. And y'all defended him to the death. So I don't really understand that conversation. I like what Matt Ryan provides still to that team. I don't think that was a bad decision to keep him. But I wanted to see him with Calvin Ridley and with Kyle Pitts, who's going to be a monster, and Julio Jones in that offense. I'm very happy for Mike Davis, who it's just wild to hear you say that he's going to be he could be an upgrade from Todd Gurley. Just thinking about how good Todd Gurley was not too long ago with the Rams before suffering all those knee injuries and I agree that he can be a really big upgrade for that team. Just the issue is going to be defensively. They just cannot stop anybody. And as we know, in the second half of games, the Falcons have been horrible. And I saw that they have 100% vaccination status. I'm wondering if they all got Johnson and Johnson because we just know how bad they are when it comes to the second half of anything. So, <laughs> Yo, wow. 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 <laughs> I, got, I got nothing to say to that, you know. So we'll just move the conversation forward <laughs> and see what James has to say about <laughs> the Buccaneers match it up with the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. Oh, how do we recover from that? That was brutal. All right. Um, look, I I like a lot of what the Atlanta Falcons have, and I'm really excited um, to see what they're able to do with this new coaching staff. Yeah, I I think Calvin Ridley is one of the best receivers in the NFL, and we've seen what he can do without Julio on the field. I know that's been a discussion is, you know, yeah, can can Calvin carry this team? Can he be the number one? Yeah, absolutely. He's incredible, Um, which makes me all the more excited to see what Russell Gage is going to do. I think Matt Ryan, I, I don't know if I would put him in the top half of quarterbacks in the NFL anymore, but. I think he can get the job done better than what we saw last year. Uh, I think he can get the job done better than either one of the ones that we're going to see in New Orleans. Ooh. Uh, come on now. You can't, you can't beat what Julian already put out there. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But I, have to, <laughs> I have to take my shots where I can in New Orleans. Um, and I, I think they have some solid pieces on defense. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Atlanta can do just strictly based on the fact that I think they're better than what a lot of people are giving them credit for. Yeah. You know, you talk about Matt Ryan and sort of what, how much he has left in the tank. That's going to be a big question. And Mm -hmm. uh, we talked a little bit about Ryan Tannehill and whether Sam Darnold can make that big jump. But the reason why Ryan Tannehill made that big leap was, you know, joining Arthur Smith in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of expectations that Arthur Smith uh, with some of these weapons um, can do something similar for Matt Ryan. I certainly think Matt Ryan's body of work was much, much better than what Ryan Tannehill's body of work was before he got to Tennessee. So there are high expectations that Matt Ryan, you know, has plenty left in the take. And, you know, I, I think that's leading to a lot of people expecting this Falcon team, as you say, James, to surprise a lot of folks this year uh, if that offense can be cooking. But uh, we'll move the conversation forward, talk with Ross Jackson, my good buddy. When It's weird when I, I can say the, the Saints 
host is nicer to me than the Panthers host. I mean, <laughs> on, man. Uh, you, you're killing me, my guy. But, uh, you know, Ross, uh, break down where you think, you know, the Falcons are in context to the Saints team. Well, the, the place I have to agree with Julian is that I'm a, I am actually sad to see Julio Jones go. Julio Jones racked up a lot of yardage against New Orleans, but had both more tackles and more fumbles then he had touchdowns against the New Orleans Saints. So I was a little bit, I, I was a bit, you know, sad to see him go because, you know, I like seeing those interceptions and him chasing down some DBs and things like that. But, you know, I, I but the other side of it too, like like the 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 football jokes aside or the, the Saints jokes aside is that like the football fan in me was also really excited to see what this offense could look like with Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and then you add Kyle Pitts to that mix, right? And then you've got Matt Ryan and all. And so I think that that is something that I, I looked at and I went, okay that could have been a lot of fun but that's not going to happen but i was surprised at the lack of attention to the defensive personnel in terms of the player personnel for the atlanta falcon side and that's the other reason why like the the julio jones thing was kind of like oh okay well i mean you know the defense is looking like you might have to score 40 of things to get some of these wins and get some of these w's and so that was something i was a little bit concerned about when it came to the atlanta falcons was you know where were they going to step up this year defensively player personnel wise in order to be able to limit some of the teams they're going to be playing against we didn't see any of the defensive personnel really adjust much or really any upgrades over on that side or not many upgrades over on that side like you mentioned some guys that they brought in that aren't at this time household names hard to know if they will be household names but i mean we've seen players that are considered to be role players all stitch together in effective defense particularly later on in the season so you know uh, you know bringing in the new defensive coordinator certainly could potentially help with all of that so for me i i, I do look at the atlanta falcons right now as being a team that could potentially repeat at the bottom of this division but if things go right and they fix the defensive side and the offense and you know kyle pitts is able to get going then all of a sudden you're looking at this as a team that could potentially surprise and then be a little bit more in line with what James mentioned as a team that just didn't get the respect but was ready to come out there and demand it and so that's what I'm looking for for the Atlanta Falcons could they come out there and do it it's just that it, it I feel like there's a lot of qualifiers in that conversation in terms of what it will take to get them there yeah a lot of question marks for the Atlanta Falcons and if you listen to Lockdown Falcons back in May before the Julio Jones trade I was echoing many of the same sentiments that you were just saying, Ross, where it was just like, look, if we can just score a bunch of points with all these weapons, the defense just has to be good enough to not blow some leads late in some games like they have been known to do uh, these last couple of years. And that would be where sort of Dean Pease could really make his name known. But now without Julio Jones, you don't know if this offense can be as high flying as it possibly can to score the enough points. Uh, against some of these defenses that they're going to be facing, particularly in this division, uh, to to win a bunch of games. But, um, you know, we'll we'll get into later on where we think some of these teams and the Falcons included will finish in this division. But before we get there, let's talk about, you know, a player from this Falcons roster that you would steal. Julio Jones is no longer an option for you guys. Um, but we will give the floor to Julian. Hopefully he'll be a little bit nicer when he steals uh, this Falcon player uh, for to add to this Carolina roster. You know, someone the Panthers were really looking at in the draft process and someone they coached in during a senior bowl when they were down there was Richie Grant, who is your second round pick out of UCF at safety. I would love for him to be in Carolina, but the, the guy that really I want here is Kyle Pitts. Like, my God, Chris McCaffrey, Kyle Pitts, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, who's likely about to sign a multi-year extension, Terrace Marshall. 
I don't care who the quarterback is. Like those are guys are putting up yards somehow. They might Darnold might throw 50 interceptions. He's still throwing 50 touchdowns. Like it's that is gonna be an offense that'll be fun to watch with those kind of weapons. I would love to have Kyle Pitts, a physical freak, someone who I think is gonna be a, a nightmare for the Panthers, the Saints, and the the Bucks, and pretty much the other what 28 teams in the rest of the league. Moving the conversation to James, you know, again, Julio Jones not on the table. You just look at Julio Jones' splits against Tampa Bay. I think he would have, like, the all-time greatest receiving season in NFL history based off his, like, 16 games against the Bucs over the last decade or so. But, uh, James, who who you got that you, if you can't take Julio Jones off the Falcons? Now, I, I should take Kyle Pitts just so you can't have him. And, you know, we could put him with Gronk and OJ and Brate. Um <laughs> Just all the weapons, all the (laughs) weapons coming to Tampa. Uh, But I'm going to do something that's a little more selfish, but I can justify it. And this was one of my favorite players coming out in the draft. And the Bucs already have kind of an elite level edge rush rotation. We talked about it earlier with JPP, Shaq Barrett, and now the rookie Joe Tryon Shoinka. So what do you do with the best linebacker tandem in the NFL and Devin White and Levante David? You get a guy that can come in give them some spells, cover any injuries, and have the best inside linebacker trio rotation in the NFL. I'm taking Deion Jones. It's a good choice. I know Ross has had his heart broken many a time by Deion Jones. Yeah, he's a stud. Sucks. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ross, are you going to steal Deion Jones so you you don't have your heart broken, or you got somebody else? Deion Jones was actually going to be my selection in this. Uh, I know that the Saints were fortunate enough to bring back Quan Alexander, but you have so many injury concerns and a long injury history there. You have some young line, uh, yeah, young linebackers like Zach Bond, who's transitioning from edge rusher and actually has looked great during camp, but that's camp, right? So now we have to see him in the regular season up against these uh, up against these teams. And so Deion Jones was the easy one for me, put him next to Demario Davis, and then also let him be the future Demario Davis later on to play next to some of these young linebackers that you hope pan out like Zach Vaughn and Pete Werner. So Deion Jones is an easy one for me. As you mentioned, I've had my heart broken by the guy too many times already. So obviously I'm going to, I'm going to snag him away just to, to stop the, stop the bleeding, you know, just to stop the pain a little bit. Good choice. Good choice there. I, I'm a little surprised no one picked Brady Jarrett, uh, but uh, I guess that's a testament to the <laughs> quality of D tackles ar- around the rest of the NFC South. But uh, just give it a little bit of love of Grady Jarrett. And there's where we'll leave it here uh, with the Atlanta Falcons portion of this Locked On NFC South show today. And we'll continue the conversation and really get into the nitty gritty of where each of us think these respective teams are going to finish this upcoming 2021 season. And to do that, it's not just going to be us. We're also going to be joined by Ross Tucker, who you heard at the top of the episode. He's also going to come back at the end of the episode here to tell you a little bit about where he believes the NFC South will shake up with his predicted order of finish. But let's go ahead, guys, roundtable real quick. Just talk about your let's go four through one up to the top of the NFC South prediction for 2021. Aaron locked on Falcons. Take it away. Well, don't think that I changed my answer based off of how disrespectful Julian was, but <laughs> I, w- I went into this thinking Carolina would finish last uh, in, in this division. I think they'll make modest improvements, but not a whole lot. Going to number three, I think the Saints 
right? You know, call this a homer pick, but yeah, I got the Falcons finishing second. I think, you know, two through four, you could probably just, you know, throw the names in a hat and just sort of shuffle it up and you'll probably get a correct order in some form or fashion. You might see a situation where second place team, in this case, the Falcons in my eyes, finishes eight and nine, the third place team finishes seven and 10 and the fourth place team finishes six and 11. And of course, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in first place. The question really about that team is how many wins do they have? Do they, do they get 13, 14, 15 or more? That's the type of season I think a lot of people are expecting from this Bucs team. Julian, the uh, Panthers got placed in last place. So you get the opportunity here to immediately put Aaron Freeman and the Falcons in last place in yours, if you'd like. What are you looking at from Locked on Panthers? Okay, so uh, we got in fifth place of uh, the 14 division. <laughs> we got the Falcons in number four, the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, but Fal- I have, yeah, I have Atlanta finishing fourth. I would not be shocked, though, with Matt Ryan back in that Arthur Smith offense and having Ridley and adding Kyle Pitts and Mike Davis, if he can do what he did here in Carolina last year, I would not be shocked to see these guys get to eight wins, maybe nine, and be, and be as kind of a surprise team. Like I don't think they're going to be downright awful this year. I, that would not surprise me at all. I still think they're going to finish last in the division, though. Um, third, based off of just what I said earlier, not having a ton of confidence in Sam Darnold and in this offensive line, the ability to protect him, and the fact that the Carolina Panthers are the youngest team in the National Football League, I'm going to have them finishing third. I do think that they'll improve and be around 8-9 this year, potentially 9-8 if everything goes well, but that really depends on what Darnold does. I have them finishing third. New Orleans still has a great roster around them. The last two seasons with Bridgewater, who the Panthers bounced out of town after a year, and with Taysom Hill, who's not a starting quarterback in the National Football League. I don't even if, if even if Sean Payton starts him there, it's I don't know why he would do that, but he's just playing a joke on the rest of the league. And maybe I don't know, maybe Taysom Hill has got some dirt on him. I, I don't get it. The Saints, <laughs> the Saints, the Saints should still finish second in this division, but then out number one and by a wide margin. It's going to be Tampa. I would be surprised if Tampa even loses a game to anyone in this division this year, especially after they dominated uh, Carolina last year. They were dominating the first couple two games against New Orleans, but by the end of the season, when they were really hitting their stride, they smoked them in the Superdome and what will go down as one of the funniest exits by a player in the history of the National Football League in Drew Brees' noodle arm looking horrible. Oh, and my the goodness. Falcons, then the Falcons. No shot. No shot against Tampa. So they, Tampa – they, I don't. They're not going seventeen at all. Like I, fourteen and three probably for the Bucks, and on the way to likely the NFC title game, and then I don't know, maybe a rematch against New Orleans or sorry, Kansas City. Excuse me. All right, James. He's got a, he's got high praise for you, buddy. How are you looking at the NFC South shaking out this year? Well, it makes me feel bad the way he just praised the Bucks and then absolutely destroyed Breeze's noodle arm. Uh, <laughs> that I'm putting the Panthers fourth in this division. Um, it comes down to the fact that I just I, I said it when we talked about the team. I don't trust Sam Darnold. You definitely didn't instill any confidence in the offensive line in me. Uh, and I think those two things together, despite how good the playmakers on the offensive side of the ball are in in McCaffrey and Anderson, uh, DJ Moore, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, plenty of playmakers over there. I still just I don't trust Sam Darnold. If I have to choose between Darnold and Matt Ryan, I'll take Matt Ryan. So I have the Falcons finishing third in the division. Um, All jokes aside, Jameis Winston's going to win some games for the New Orleans Saints. Mm. He's also going to lose some games for the New Orleans Saints. I've seen it firsthand. The guy, he will be the most incredible quarterback you've ever seen, and then he will be the worst quarterback you've ever seen in the same drive. But 
the the Saints still have enough playmakers there, especially in in Alvin Kamara and when Michael Thomas comes back to to run slants, and then you know they're still going to be a solid defensive <laughs> defensive team. So I think the Saints go ahead and finish second, and then yeah, the Buccaneers will will be in first. I think we're looking at fourteen or more wins. There's not a whole lot of teams on the schedule that really concern me from a matchup standpoint. Probably the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, and outside of that, maybe a fluky game where you know Brady just doesn't have it that day, or the defense doesn't have it that day. But I think the Bucks run away with this division. Oh, I, I I have to say, you know, looking at it from the New Orleans Saints perspective, looking at it here from Locked On Saints, uh, I, I kind of lean with, uh, with with Julian Council here. I, I've got the Atlanta Falcons at the bottom of the division. I just don't trust the defense right now, uh, and it, it's going to make it tough when you lose a little bit of the firepower that has to counteract some of that as well. But again, like I mentioned, they I also agree with Aaron's sentiment that you could take two through four. Pull them out of hat in, in this in this conference. Excuse me, in this division, the the number one is where it's most assured. Uh, number two for, or excuse me, uh, number three for me. I'm going to go ahead and put the uh, Carolina Panthers there. But again, you know, it, it's going to be tight for me. It's one game maybe that separates two and three with the Carolina Panthers being there, and I think that mostly is the difference between you know Sam Darnold or 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 Sam Darnold, right? Like, are you the excited about him or are you feeling bad about him? You know, however it comes down. And then the New Orleans Saints at two, but maybe just barely a winning record because just by having an odd number of games, you're either a winning team or a losing team. <laughs> so you're either, you know, nine and eight or you're eight and nine. And I think they end up as one of those two, maybe get to 10 wins. But to me, that's a very successful season for New Orleans. And I look at uh, Tampa Bay on top of this division around 14 and three, 13 and four, depending upon how late they have to compete for anything. Uh, in the division in terms of uh, conference seating as opposed to division seating. So for me, that's the way that I look at it. Uh, so you got it all here from uh, Locked On uh, Falcons, Aaron Freeman at Falc fans from Locked On Panthers, Julian Council at Julian Council and from Locked On Bucks, James Yarko at Yarko underscore Bucks and myself from Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson. Nola. Now we'll check in with Ross Tucker and see what he has to say about the NFC South division as we wrap up our ultimate season preview here with the NFC South. Thanks, my friends. It was a ton of fun. It's got to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the division. Not only that, by the way, not only do I think the Bucs win the NFC South, I think the Bucs are the favorites in the entire NFC. And really, if we're being honest, I think the Bucs, maybe the Packers, maybe the Rams. I, I don't, there are not even that many teams in the NFC, let alone NFC South, that I think can end up winning the Super Bowl. It's clearly the Bucks. Obviously, Rodgers and the Packers will have a chance and a say as well. Maybe the Rams with Matthew Stafford, but it's the Bucks in the NFC South, followed up by the Saints who have a chance at the playoffs. I really don't envision either the Atlanta Falcons or the Carolina Panthers even sniffing the playoffs. I think both of them will be fortunate to be right around 500 this season. Tomorrow, as we continue our eight-part series breaking down all 32 teams across all eight divisions ahead of the 2021 NFL kickoff as the ultimate NFL season preview brought to you by Odyssey and the Lockdown Podcast Network continues. We haven't seen a repeat division champion in the NFC West in over three seasons. Can Seattle change that and win back-to-back division titles? Or can the Rams, Cardinals, and Niners continue that trend? 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.